They haven't won a World Series in a century or so. So what? They're here. Every April, they're here. The 105 or 705, there is a game. If it gets rained out, guess what? They make it up to you. Does anyone else in your life do that? It's time for Hit and Run. Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascists. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. Cubs and White Sox conversation every Sunday morning till Cubs first pitch. Any bet against my Sox this series is a sucker bet. Of course, I'm not a gambling man. Hosted by Matt Spiegel. I want the absolute truth here. Are you 100%? Yeah, well, I'm about something like that you better you want to make this team connecting with you the baseball fanatic there's no crying in baseball no crying hit and run on sports radio 670 the score 670 the score.com and the radio.com app good morning to you baseball fans happy sunday to you happy father's day to the dads out there it is quite a day to be a baseball fan in this town as it's really interesting to have two fun and interesting teams, isn't it? I mean, the White Sox didn't win last night, but they did play in front of 36,000 at Sox Park. 36,000 and another giant crowd expected this afternoon. They're giving away White Sox polo shirts on Father's Day to the first big batch of folks who arrive. The Yankees are in town, and the Cubs are in L.A. playing a big series against the Dodgers last night. An absolutely terrific ball game, eventually won by the Cubs by the score of 2-1. to one. This hour, the score is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Cubs and Sox looms for Tuesday and Wednesday and could be a lot of fun. Uh, Lucas Giolito will go on Wednesday night for the White Sox at Wrigley. Um, and, and that should be cool. I'm sure Giolito is looking forward to it. I'm sure Rick Renteria is looking forward to it. We're going to talk baseball with you for the next three hours. Looking forward to it very much. Hoping you'll join in at 312-644-6767. You can text us at 670 When I say us, I mean me at 670 You can tweet me at Matt Spiegel 670 uh, there's any number of other ways to interact, but those are the big ones, really. Call up, chat, we can talk Cubs, we can talk Sox, and we'll talk Father's Day later on. I will shamelessly, unapologetically, proudly put my father, Herb Spiegel, on the phone at 10 o'clock. The archetypal sports fan, a baseball fan of my life. And I want to, we'll use that as a springboard to talk some Father's Day baseball stuff with you. Because I'm sure some of your fathers did wonderful baseball things for you in, in whatever, they, whatever way that manifested. We'll talk about it and we'll get there at 10 o'clock. Um, later on at 11 o'clock, I have a, a terrific Father's Day gift. Uh, if you haven't got something yet for your dad and you want to get something baseball related, maybe uh, you can hear this at 11 o'clock and run to the bookstore before you go and see your pops later on today. And uh, Chris Kamka will join us for Cam Connections at 945. And on we go here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. 237 fathers have had their sons reach Major League Baseball. 237. In the NFL, 61 fathers have had sons reach the professional league. In the NBA, 80 
have had sons reach the professional league. 237 in baseball. By the way, in the NHL, it's a ton. I couldn't find an official count in the NHL. I think it might be even more than MLB. Talk about a familial sport. And, I mean, you know, like, you know, brother combinations and there's triple generation NHL families. I think there's one quadruple generation NHL family. But 237 in the big leagues is, is, is still quite something, isn't it? And you look around baseball, and there's Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Kevin Biggio and Dwight Smith Jr. playing in Baltimore. And my favorite one of the day, today, Delino DeShield Sr. will be the first base coach for the Cincinnati Reds, as he has been for a little while now. They play against the Rangers, and his son, Delino DeShields Jr., will be the starter in center field. I, the manager of the Rangers had this circled, you know, months ago, said, I'm going to need to start Delino Jr. there. I mean, even as the Rangers are a pretty good team, like surprisingly in it in the American League West on some level, no matter what, he's playing Delino Jr. in center field today. Love that. All three DeShield siblings will be there. That includes Diamond, the basketball player for our Chicago Sky here in town. She's driving they're from Indianapolis after the Sky had a game. And uh, so Delino Sr. and Delino Jr. will be together on the same field. You know, it's not quite Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. playing in the same game or playing in the same lineup as they did for a while. But still pretty cool for this one. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. And uh, let's talk about you, Darvish. I, I have been saying for a while now that calm, confident you Darvish has arrived. The operation that the entire Cubs organization had to undertake to get you Darvish to the correct and proper headspace to be himself is, is right now a success. You could see it coming. Boy, it's a shame it didn't happen last year. And I know there were arm troubles as well. But there was a huge mental hurdle last year that he just couldn't get over. Remember, he had absolutely been brutal in two World Series starts for the Dodgers. I think he gave up nine runs total. In Game 7, it was five runs. I think he only got five outs. Did you, Darvish, took the loss in Game 7. Remember last year when the Cubs went to L.A.? He gave a very emotional interview to Dylan Hernandez of the L.A. Times, talked about how difficult it has been. That's the day he threw in the bullpen and said, no, I I can't do this, and eventually shut it down for good. This year, it's different. It is very different because he's arrived. The operation has been a success. Uh, Credit, of course, you Darvish for the most part. Credit Joe Madden for identifying what kind of personality this is and, and, and talking to him and, and helping him own the kind of personality he is and credit the mental skills department of the Chicago Cubs, credit the teammates, whatever. You can spread it around. But this is, by my count, the eighth consecutive successful start for you, Darvish. That is not a technical term, successful start. It's not a quality start. Or the excellent start, which I I did try to make an official stat at one point. It was my baseball version of Guagi, although that's a scouting term. But the excellent start, you know, if the quality start is six innings, three earned runs, the excellent start, I wanted to be seven innings, two earned runs, right? 
and then maybe eight innings and one earned run, we could call that a gem. You know, does a gem have to be a complete game? No, I don't think so. You can have eight innings for it. But anyway, I've run down the game log for you before in the midst of this conversation. You can look back on it if you want. But I started on May 15th when he struck out 11 over five and a third. And after that, there have been different kinds of starts, successful in different ways, sometimes dominant, sometimes having one terrible inning, but keeping it together for six innings. Uh, sometimes going seven-plus when he needed to at Wrigley Field. That's in the midst of this. Joe sent him back out there for the eighth, and he gave up the homer to Dietrich and the Reds. He shouldn't have been out there, in my opinion. But anyway, he needed to push the bullpen, or push, push, push to save the bullpen. There have been all these different successful starts, getting the job done. And last night in L.A., this emotional place for him, the best, the best start of his Cubs career, seven innings, Two hits, just one earned run on an ambush first pitch fastball homer from Alex Verdugo. And he struck out 10 people, threw 109 pitches, 68 for strikes. There were 26 called strikes. The dude has incredible stuff, has a massive and healthy arm, and he pitches as well in the sixth or seventh as he does in the first when he's uh, calm and confident, and comfortable. Last night, emotional after that final strikeout in the seventh. So great to see. And if you've been following along, you know if you haven't, just realize that he gave some comments from Friday on what it's like to be there in Dodger Stadium. Said that the last time he was there was the worst effing day of his life. And that was last year. Not the World Series stuff, but last year when he came back to visit and was emotional and overcome and his arm didn't feel good and his head didn't feel good and he eventually shut it all down. But then now, this is him talking from Friday about the emotional, the bigness of this start. And then afterwards, last night, talking about this start. This was a big, big deal in his life. Quote, this was really important in my life. I think now I can move forward. I pitched good here. That's you, Darvish, on finally pitching really, really well at Dodger Stadium. This is him. He's emotional. He's passionate. He's better off when he works slow instead of fast. Be you. Be yourself. And that means he's a sensitive dude. So be it. Be yourself. And Madden has been saying for a while now that he likes the way you faces things head on. You know, it, it's, it, he, he talks about this stuff. He deals with this stuff. And, and, and life is crazy, right? Sometimes for you or for me, things take on a far bigger importance than most people think they should. That's what this was for Darvish, pitching in L.A. I think last season was a difficult one for him in large part because of what had happened in the World Series. That debacle in the World Series just kind of couldn't get over that hump. He is now over that hump. And I mean, I don't know if he's I'm not saying he's going to be a seven inning, 10 strikeout guy from here on out. I'm just saying you're going to get quality, successful, strong starts almost every damn time from you, Darvish. And you're going to need them. And when he can go deep in games like this, it is a huge, huge help. Brandon Kinsler got a couple of outs in the eighth. Kyle Ryan came in, got one out, took care of it himself on a little dribbler up the line, made a. Uh, a play on it unassisted. And then in the top of the ninth inning, Anthony Rizzo against Kenley Jansen. 
down one nothing. It's a 2-0 count, but Rizzo's still a little bit choked up by my eyes anyway, which is something that he usually does, as you know, with two strikes. He wasn't quite as choked up as he usually is with two strikes. But he's trying to make sure he makes contact and has bat control against one of the best closers in baseball, Kenley Jansen. And, and he does so. This is what it sounded like late last night. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you were sleeping late last night. Cubs down one nothing in the ninth inning. Anthony Rizzo versus Kenley Jansen. Rizzo drives one in the air to deep right field. This ball's got a chance. Gone. Anthony Rizzo gives the Cubs a 2-1 to lead here in the top of the ninth inning. It landed in the Cub bullpen. And listen to these Cub fans at Dodger Stadium. There is a ton of Cub fans at those games out there in Dodger Stadium. As always, there's at least one suite, uh, maybe two, that are filled with, like, celebrity Cub fans. I know there's one suite where, like, the, the comedy scene, Cub fans on the comedy scene out there in L.A. get together. Um, a friend of mine, Pat Finn, who you'd know if you saw a character actor, improv guy. He posted a picture on his Twitter of him and Bob Newhart hanging out in a suite at Dodger Stadium. Bonnie Hunt is always there, right? You know, and, and there's a, so everybody shows up in terms of the, uh, the celebs up there in the suite and in the stands, too, obviously. Because that's a, that's a very mixed crowd of 51,000 at Dodger Stadium last night. Rizzo gets that two-run homer. If you were sleeping, that's what it sounded like. It was an absolute bomb down the right field line. He knew it. A look of satisfaction after he looked over towards first base, or towards the, uh, his dugout on the first base side and kind of gently tossed the bat that way. And then in the bottom of the ninth, Pedro Strope comes in, and it was very interesting um, to see as he... He had Max Muncy up at the plate with two outs and just decided, you know what, I don't want any part of this guy. Walked him on four pitches. Pitched around a little bit and then clearly said to himself, screw that. And he went after Matt Beatty, the rookie first baseman, who probably is only playing because of the domino effect that has uh, Corey Seager on the injured list. So Strope completely dominated Matt Beatty. Got him 1-2 and then threw a slider in the dirt that Beatty swung over, and that's your ball game. 2-1, a big win after a 1-4 start to a road trip where the Cubs had looked bad at times in Colorado and in L.A. Now at least it's 2-4. You get a win tonight in the final one at Dodger Stadium, and you can split that series, go 3-4 and four in a tough road trip, and feel a hell of a lot better about yourself coming back to Wrigley Field. Meanwhile, last night, every other team in the National League Central lost. So, a good night for the Cubs overall. We have other Cub issues to talk about. Who's going to fill in for Kyle Hendricks? What is the severity of this injury that has him suddenly on the injured list? And let's talk about the White Sox and the Yankees down there at the Gary, which has failed miserably. My attempt to get the Gary into the lexicon uh, for guaranteed rate field has failed completely. West Loop Tom says that the excellent start that I tried to work in has fallen the way of the Gary. Okay, yeah, well, maybe. But I can keep them alive, Tom. I've got a microphone, so I fight for Guagi and the excellent start and, and the Gary and everything else. Chris Kempke coming up at 945. 
a really funny moment from the Cubs radio booth that you got to hear from last night. We'll give you uh, one of the more interesting players and kind of um, the face of the launch angle revolution. We've got a couple of minutes of conversation with him I want to bring to you at some point today. And Father's Day conversation at 10 o'clock right here on 670 The Score. The U.S. Open is going on because it's Father's Day Sunday. U.S. Open coverage on The Score is brought to you by the BMW Championship at Bedina Country Club. August 13th through August 18th, 2019. Visit BMWChampionship.com. You want to call and get involved? Do it now. 312-644-6767. You can text us at 6711. It's me, Matt Spiegel, with you on a Father's Day morning. It's Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Stones are coming next week to Soldier Field. I am uh, going to be broadcasting on Friday right outside Soldier Field. Um, Mack and Parkins are going to be doing like 4 to 6 after the Cubs day game on Friday. And then I'll be doing 6 to 7, I think just an hour of, uh, of, of, of a live show outside Soldier Field. And then going to the Stones on the inside. I have not seen them in concert in a long, long, long time. I can't wait to watch, among other things, Keith Richards simply play guitar. He's got a guitar tech, folks, who not only um, plugs everything in and hands him the correct guitar for the correct tunes, but also steps on all the pedals for him because Keith doesn't want to be bothered with anything like that. That's when you know you've made it. Hey, listen, could you step on the pedals for me? How could you hit the chorus pedal for me? God bless you, Keith. I wish I could get away with it. 67011. Of course, I don't even play guitar, let alone with the Stones. 67011 is how you text in on Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel, here on 670 The Score. Um, and several immediate uh, joy killers and or Darvish haters and or Spiegel loathers. You Darvish has a 4.65 ERA this year. And you're calling his season a successful one so far? It was a great start yesterday, but please don't go overboard with your you Darvish love. As always, when you are happy about anything, um, you shouldn't be quite as happy as, as some people want you to be. Uh, I said his last seven starts, or eight starts, is what I'm talking about. And over the last eight starts, if you need this, it's a 3.86 ERA. That's under four, and he struck out 28% of the batters faced. Um, also, the thing is, what I'm talking about is not just the results, but it's how he's pitching. It's how he's going about it. It's how he's feeling. It's how comfortable he is. Watch more closely, okay? Watch better. This texter, he still sucks. To make a regular season game against the Dodgers like Game 7 of the World Series is an idiot. So sick and tired of hearing about his mental hurdles. And his Colorado start sucked just six days ago. Um, it didn't suck in Colorado. He gave up a 4 nothing lead with four runs in one inning, and that sucked. But he hung around and went six innings and did his job for the most part. He'd like to do better. But, you know, most times these days in Major League Baseball, look around. And every once in a while, if your guy gives you six innings and four runs, you'll take it. You know, John Lester did that. What, last week um, against, the, against the Cardinals gave up four in the first and then ended up going six, and everybody praised that. Cubs scored enough runs, so it was a win, and that felt better. Not like uh, the loss in Colorado. But anyway, it's, uh, it, it doesn't matter if you think that he is mentally fragile or mentally weak. It just, it just kind of doesn't matter. You can believe that if you want. 
I call it sensitive because not only is that true, but it's 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 necessary to own it and just kind of be who you are and deal with it. It's like that in in in, in most things in life and certainly in baseball. Remember how badly John Lester struggled with throwing the ball to first, and then he started talking about it and laughing about it. And being, you know, a, a public about it and much more conscious and self-aware about it. And it's gotten a lot better. It's almost gone away as a concern. You don't even think about it anymore. And it used to be such a big issue, people stealing on them. And it's just not anymore. Check the numbers. It's just not. And this one from the mental skills coach, the turnaround for Darvish has been great, but a part of me still worries about one bad playoff start, and he folds. Need to see the entire season before I believe. That's fair enough. I believe that mental skills coach texter, that dates back to when um, the Blackhawks won their first cup, and Eddie Olchick thanked everybody, and he thanked the mental skills coach. And me and uh, McNeil working together at the time had never heard of such a thing. We were like, what? A mental skills coach? What, is, what the hell is that? Oh, my God. I need one of those. And we all joked about it, and this became this guy's text moniker. And now, just about every team in all sports has either a coach or a full-on department, and the Cubs have six of those guys. 670, the score, is where you are. Uh, lots to talk about. Let's take your phone calls at 312-644-6767. This is Jim in Oak Park on the score. Jim, thanks for holding. Good morning. Hey, guys. Good morning, and happy Father's Day to you also i forget are, are either of you a dad now uh yeah it's just me and i am my boy is seven um and i have uh two stepdaughters who are in their 20s and my my goal today is to play catch with them that's that's my big goal for father's day today well that that's wonderful and i told your young man that picked up i had two two stories i think relate to father's day particularly in this town first Last night, you guys talked a little bit about it this morning. You almost see Madden playing in a father's role for Darvish, don't you? Um, on, on, on some level. Uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 there's a level with which Madden has to be that guy for everybody and figure out what they need. But I, I, I don't know enough about their interaction. I mean, we've got to credit Darvish more than anybody. Well, I thought, right, exactly. But I thought when Madden chose to leave him in the game and bat first in, was it the fifth or the sixth inning last night? Mm-hmm. And then they, they're in a one nothing game, and then he goes out and pitches wonderful in the sixth and seventh. That, that was a big vote of confidence, and all week in the press, Madden was saying, look, He's a good young man. He's getting through this. And like you said this morning, he had to just talk about it and go in and, and fight the demons of going back into L.A. Yeah, it's, uh, it's absolutely true. Thanks, Jim. Uh, appreciate the, other, the phone call. Oh, go ahead. You got one more. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, uh, 21 years ago, I take my oldest son, who's now uh, 28, to the Cubs game against the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, a young man named Mark Grace who at that time led the National League in doubles in the 90s, hits a foul ball, and I run down, and everyone's going crazy to catch it, and I catch it. And I turn around and hand it to my six-year-old son. Two years later, I take that son and my father to the Great American Ballpark. Gracie is in his last couple years to retire, and we hold up a sign, and Gracie comes over and signs that ball, for now my eight-year-old and we still have it in our bar in chicago 
and that boy is now 28. And we caught that ball on Father's Day, and it's something I'll always remember at Wrigley Field. That's awesome. Love that, Jim. Where's the bar? What, what, you have a bar? Oh, I have it in my home in River Forest. Oh, I, I have gotcha. a, a Cubs, Cubs uh, bar uh, shrine in my home in Chicago that friends <laughs> come, and we have the World Series, and we have the Game 4 ball that Zobris threw to my 82-year-old mom in the World Series in Game 4, and it's sitting next to the Gracie ball. Oh, look at that. That's awesome. Thanks for the call, Jim. When, it, it, when he said he had a bar, I'm like, well, where is it? I'll come over for a drink. I'll come over for a drink. Uh, 670, the score is where you are. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. The Western Conference champion Chicago Wolves would like to thank their loyal fans for making this 25th anniversary so special. Thank you and see you in October. He mentions the uh, uh, Cubs bar, and I I started thinking about the show that I saw last weekend uh, with my wife. If you have not seen Miracle, the musical over at the Royal George, and you are either A, a hardcore Cub fan, or B, somebody who enjoys the theater and a musical, or especially if you're C, any sort of crossover, go see it. It's really good. The, the writing is very funny. A lot of the acting and singing is really, really good. Um, most of the music is really, really good. And just the story itself, like the way they wove in, um, you know, come, some of the, the socio-political issues of, of Wrigleyville these days and family stuff and generations of commerce with the bar and everything. And it's, it's very fun. I, I really enjoyed it. So that's Miracle over at the Royal George Theater. Um, bring your wives, bring your, bring your dads. Uh, you, you could bring some of your kids. You know, it's up to you. Make sure they behave. But anyway, it's a very, very enjoyable theater experience to get out there and see Miracle over at the Royal George. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Campland RV. Head on over to Campland RV for their 58th anniversary sale now through the end of June. Find great deals on RVs and campers. Campland RV, RV buying made easy. Just a short drive off I-94 in northwest Indiana. Let's talk to Riles in Gridley on the score. Riles, good morning. What's happening? Morning, Speaks. Thanks for taking my call. You got uh, happy Father's Day to you and all your wonderful listeners. Thank you, sir. Um, and think about uh, everybody should think about their dads if they're not here. Uh, I, I miss mine quite a bit. Anyway, anyway, I wanted to say that it bodes well for the Cubs that uh, maybe Strope could slide down a notch to set up man. He looked really good last night. And um, if Kimbrell is good as a closer, that's going to bode well for the Cubs. Secondly, they were due to win one. They're now 1-23 after trailing after six. And then the third thing, I know you've got a lot of Cardinal listeners, too. I want to bring something up about the Cardinal ninth inning where Flaherty did the ultimate sin. He should have scored the tying run with two out in the ninth. And he got caught, not taken off, running on anything as soon as contact was made. And uh, looking over his shoulder, uh, a little leaguer is told to run on anything, watch the bag in front of you, pick up the third base coach. And uh, that's what kept him from uh, scoring. He got thrown out at the plate. Thank, thank you, Riles. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, you, you see some of the basics being played well and played poorly uh, all throughout the league. Um, and in certain situations, you're like, man, what the hell's he thinking? This game is hard. Difficult game to play. 
you got to be mindful. You, you ever find yourself when you go to a ball game watching um, the kind of ground balls that register as routine on TV, but you see just how narrow the margin of error is? I mean, it, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes just, just a basic play that we just expect these guys to make every time. And they should. They are professionals. They are, they are the very, very best of the bunch. Let's take another phone call. This is Bobby in Oak Park on 670 The Score. What's up, Bobby? How are you? Hey, Speaks. How you doing, man? I love listening, as always. Have you, um, have you gotten a chance to see this Jordan Alvarez on the Astros? Uh, he's got five homers in his first four games. It's insane. Uh, oh, it, I find myself just envious of everything that organization has. It's like, here comes another guy that they've developed and is now obviously off to a crazy start. But let, let, Let's stop know. there for a second, Bobby, because people should realize, as good as the Dodgers are, the Astros are the standard bearer for player development. It's, it is amazing. I, I'm sure it's, it's also scouting, and it's also drafting, and picking the right guys, but whatever the hell they're doing at every single level, I've said this before, their pitching staff of every minor league affiliate leads its league in strikeouts per nine innings. That, that was at the end of last year. So they are breeding. They are drafting, building, and breeding swing-and-miss pitchers. Um, and, and then they come to the big leagues and end up doing what they do there. And Jordan Alvarez, too. It's, just, it's hard to tell these days what home run stuff is real and, and, and what is not because the ball is, is so crazily aerodynamic. Um, go ahead, Bobby. What else you got? Yeah, no, it's all it's it's truly mar- remarkable at the Astros, and it shows too. You don't have to have top five picks, you know, to get these guys in development. Um, but you know, it, when I when I'm thinking about the Cubs here, the, the, the Kyle Hendricks shoulder inflammation, I think that's always going to make people nervous to see something going on in the shoulder or an elbow. Um, with Lester's struggles, you know, I know it, it's getting greedy, but I would love to see another starting pitching arm. I mean, I know they got to get a, another bullpen guy. A series with the Dodgers shows you how bad they're going to need mm-hmm. a lefty. But I, I just, I look at these teams they're going to run into in the postseason, and I would love to have an, another another arm. I really would. But well, uh, you can't, there's a lot to ask for, but um, it's been a fun year so yeah, far. Yeah, thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it. You know, you'll need a, a healthy and, and, and dominant Kyle Hendricks come the you know, playoffs if you do indeed get there, which is obviously the goal. Uh, Hendricks going on the injured list with shoulder inflammation. And what Theo and what Joe Madden talked about yesterday was that Kyle didn't quite have the extension on his pitches. And that's what gives him the late movement on both the changeup and the fastballs. The extension is really like putting that arm as far out as possible. It's such a weird thing we ask pitchers' arms to do. And they've got to decide right now who's going to fill in for Kyle Hendricks. His spot will come up on Thursday. Um, Because of the off day that's on Monday, they could conceivably just keep everybody on four days and not need a a sixth starter or a fifth starter I should say six now without Kyle until Saturday in that Mets series but it'll be interesting they've got Tyler Chatwood who has pitched very well they've got Mike Montgomery but because there's only one other lefty in the bullpen I I don't expect it to be Montgomery and it could be time for Adbert Alzale the 24-year-old right-handed prospect number 4 on the Cubs prospect list as rated by MLB pipeline he's been good of late he pitched for Iowa on Friday 
on Friday and had six innings, two runs, no walks, nine strikeouts. He would be lined up to pitch on Thursday. But we'll see what they do because I'd been expecting them to buy an extra day for some of the veterans, especially John Lester. If you pitch Lester on Wednesday, he's on four days rest as normal. But if you could pitch somebody on Wednesday, say you pitch Chatwood on Wednesday and Lester on Thursday, then you're buying an extra day of rest. And the two best starts of John Lester's last couple of months have been when he had five days rest. And Joe Madden has said he wants to buy his veterans an extra day of rest every once in a while. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen this week. We'll find out. But I would not be surprised if, I, if you asked me to predict. I'd say that Chatwood gets a start. And then Alzale gets a start filling in. Three weeks between now and the All-Star break, I could see them giving Hendricks all of that, depending on how he feels. Uh, And again, with a a couple off days in there, you won't need it too bad. But Theo Epstein said this about Alzale. Honestly, we've been planning, even before this, to possibly give him a couple spot starts at some point over the next month or so, just to get his feet wet. So uh, I think you will see Adbert Alzale, finally, over the next couple of months. It's 670 to score. It's Matt Spiegel here with you. And by the next couple of months, I mean the next couple of weeks. Excuse me. 670 to score is where you are. Bottom of the hour brought to you by Campland RV. Head over to Campland RV for their 58th anniversary sale now through the end of June. Find great deals on RVs and campers. Campland RV. RV buying made easy. Just a short drive off I-94 in northwest Indiana. Cam Connections is something we do every Sunday morning where the Sultan of Stat joins us and gives you nuggets you get nowhere else. We'll do that next on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. It's time to get ourselves connected, or cam connected, as we always do. At about 9.45 on a Sunday morning here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Cam Connections with Chris Kamka at C. Kamka with a K. A couple of them, actually. Um, and a C. And then there's an A, or two A's, and an M. Um, in a different order than, than I just gave them to you. On Twitter, he is the Sultan of Stat for NBC Sports Chicago. And he joins us now with Nuggets on Sox and Cubs alike. What's up, Chris? Good morning. Hey, Matt. Happy Father's Day to you and all the fathers out there listening, including my dad, Michael Kamka, who taught me to love baseball and got way more than he bargained for. <laughs> um, yes, he did. I'd like to start out with an awesome Father's Day note, and it's one of my favorites. Um, Gordon Beckham, in 2015, hit a walk-off single on Mother's Day. Then he hit a walk-off homer on Father's Day which is just incredible, wow. one of my favorite things in baseball. So that's one of the things to celebrate Father's Day today with. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, so, it, um, let, let me ask you, before you roll on, Chris, if yeah. you had to guess, the, I have a list here of the top five father-son combinations in the history of baseball in terms of wins above replacement. The, uh, the top five father-son combos. Would you, would you care to hazard a guess on any of those? Oh, sure. Uh, the the Griffies have to be right there. Number two, our Ken okay. Senior, Ken Jr. Oh, then number two to the Bonses. Barry and Bobby are number one. The Bonses okay. are number one. Then it gets harder. Uh, I, Jose Cruz Senior and Junior? They're, I think, down at number seven. Good guess. Seven. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let me try another one. Um, 
Uh, probably, I, I would, I would think the fielders are, are in the neighborhood. Really, they're, they're, they're in the they're top ten. Cecil and By the Prince. way, they both finished at the same home run total. That's, That's amazing, Prince, which is awesome. Um, let me try another one. Um, I'll give it to you after this. Last guess. Okay, uh, one more. I'm drawing a blank. All right, what do you got Moises and Felipe oh, Alou is number three. So Bonds, Griffey, Alou, and I love that his brothers played too. Uh, Matty, Felipe, Jesus, and Hullab, Hullab Alou, as my father always told me that he what was. What about Boog? Yeah, Boog and Toot, Toot um, yeah. as well. Uh, the Boons, and it's not Aaron oh, or Brett; it's Ray Boone and his son Bob before the uh, the others, and then Stottlemyers, the pitcher Mel Stottlemyer and Todd Stottlemyer. They're your top five father-sons of all time. And thanks for, list- thanks for noting that there's 237 combinations in Major League history. Now I'm going to have to spend the rest of the day compiling the entire list. <laughs> oh, it's out there for you. Somebody did it for you. Don't you worry. Oh, okay, good. Thanks. Let's start out with some White Sox. We're going to go Eloy Jimenez. So we're starting to see the evolution of Eloy Jimenez, the hitter. Through May 26th, he's hitting 217 with a 259 on base. He had five walks to 36 strikeouts, hmm. and his percentage of swings outside the zone was 38.3%. Wow. It's the third highest on the team of anyone with at least 30 plate appearances. It's not what you want. But since then, May 27th to now, 317, 388 on base percentage, seven walks to 15 strikeouts, so we're almost 2-1 to one before we were 7-1, to one, and 29.1% swing rate outside the zone, which is the best on the team over that span of players with 30 or more plate appearances. Wow. So we're starting to see the Lady Menace find, him, find his place in the major leagues, and it's looking really good. He's not lunging for those stu- um, those breaking balls not, um, going low and away anymore. He's holding on those. Um, he's got three multi-homer games before turning 23, which is already the White Sox record, and he has <laughs> the rest of the season to, to improve on that. So we're seeing an improvement. It's fun to watch, and the balls are flying far. Yeah, they, they really are. And when, when you see the power from Eloy Jimenez, it's so easy, easy power. It's just like he's just so big. And the swing is so fluid that the ball just just hops off his bat, and it's not like he needs that absurd bat speed of a Javi Baez or or you know some other kind of guys. He doesn't need that kind of violent bat speed like Vlad Guerrero Jr. Just because he's got a very smooth stroke. Um, but but your numbers that you gave are really important. He's starting to understand and control his strike zone a little bit. That's a big big deal. Absolutely right. Well, let's move on to the Cubs. So. You um, Darvish last night hit 10 strikeouts, right, his second of the season. Seven of those strikeouts were looking. That's the most looking strikeouts in a game by a National League pitcher this year. Hmm. And in addition to that, he's, this is kind of fluky. He's one of 85 pitchers to make eight or more starts since May 1st. He's the only one without a decision. So <laughs> those stuck on win-loss records probably don't think he did anything. Uh, since May 1st, but as you saw, there's definitely some improvement. It's much needed, and it's great to see. Um, one note for Rizzo last night, it was his ninth go-ahead homer in the ninth inning or later. It was his second one of those with his team behind. Last night, June 15th, 2019, in Los Angeles, 
The other one is June 15, 2016, in Washington. So three years apart on the same day. By the way, nine go-ahead homers in the ninth inning or later out of 209 home runs with the Cubs for Rizzo. Wow. Sammy Sosa had 11 of those, and he had 545 home runs with the Cubs. Rizzo has a knack for doing some stuff late. He is, uh, he's, he's probably my favorite hitter to watch in town and has been for a while. The bat control is amazing. I don't know if you, if you saw last night. He choked up. It wasn't quite as vicious a choke up as he usually does with two strikes because it was a 2-0 count, but he's still he's out there trying to make contact and still has plenty of power, even a little bit choked up, to do that down the line. Right. I mean, because that was, that was no cheapy. I mean, that just that was off into the moonlight, like instantly. Yeah. Um, yeah, the choking up thing is impressive to see a professional hitter do that. He's not afraid to do it, and it's working out for him because his back and his um, plate discipline is pretty good. His strikeout to walk ratio is it's hovering around one. So you don't see too many power hitters that can boast that. And that that was his ninth. Give me the stat again. His ninth home run. Ninth. Ninth go-ahead homer wow. in the ninth inning or later. That's amazing. Nine times he has homered to go ahead in the ninth inning or later out of 209 homers as a Cub? Yeah. That's, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's nice. That's, that's, a, that's, nice. A, that's, a, that's a pretty high percentage. Chris, thank you, buddy. Happy Father's Day to your dad, and, uh, and have thank a great you. day. Same to you. All right. That's uh, Chris Kampka with our Camp Connection segment every Sunday at about 945. Um, Kenley Jansen was maxing out, I believe, at 90 miles per hour last night as he was throwing. Now, he used to really hump it up there at 96, 97, uh, even more. But the big deal with him is, is the cutter, is that cut fastball that comes in on the lefties um, like Mariano Rivera. And sometimes Kenley could just go out there and throw nothing but cutters like Mariano used to do. But Kenley was at his best when he would, could throw fastball when you're looking cutter and vice versa. So that way, sometimes it's a couple mile per hour shorter, but it's, it's moving a lot. And sometimes he just blows it by you when you're expecting that cutter. So look, it, Jansen becoming a hittable, a hittable dude um, would be a big time development for the National League. Still getting paid a lot as a closer. Still been largely effective as a closer. I don't expect that role to change anytime soon. But that was a a big, big deal to see that last night. We'll celebrate Father's Day next. Uh, To those who are asking if... uh, if we scrapped the guest co-host thing, no, just, you know, uh, doing it a little different the past couple of weeks. We've got some good guest co-hosts coming up for you as the weeks and the months progress here on Hit and Run. We'll celebrate Father's Day over the next hour or so with you guys on the phones and on text and with a very special guest on the phone line next here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score.